Welcome to the Public Health Networker, the official podcast of the Public Health Podcast Network. I'm your host, Dr. April Moreno. Join us as we speak to public health professionals around the country and around the world in global, community, and environmental health topics. Join us also as we speak to podcasters in this field of public health. To learn more about us, visit publichealthpodcasters.com. And in the meantime, enjoy the episode. Are you a public health student interested in grad school or certificate programs? Join us for our first public health grad school fair taking place on Saturday, September 17th from 9 a.m. to 12 Pacific, 12 to 3 p.m. Eastern. You'll have the opportunity to network with various schools of public health, informatics, policy, and other fields, and have the opportunity to hear information and workshops on success in applying, doing well, and graduating with your ideal career in public health or related fields. Please join us. Admission is free for students, and it's on our website, publichealthpodcasters.com slash gradschoolfair2022. Thank you for joining us for this episode of the Public Health Networker podcast. Today, we are speaking to Dr. Azizi Seishas, and he is the Associate Professor and Director of the Media Innovation Lab at the University of Miami. Welcome, Dr. Azizi. Thank you. Thank you so much. I'm really excited to be here, Dr. Moreno. I'm really excited about your fantastic podcast, and kudos to you for bringing a fantastic platform so that people who are doing great public health work um, really have an opportunity to shed light um, on all the fantastic things and at the same time build a community, um, which I know you are currently doing. So kudos to you. Thank you. Absolutely. And um, you very clearly defined the work that we're doing here at the Public Health Podcast Network. And I'm so grateful. You know, we've, we've met what, many years ago, maybe over five years ago. Is that correct? We yes. met in Michigan. Yes, yes. You did in Michigan in Ann Arbor. Yes, yes, yes. Yes. <laughs> that was some fun time. Yes, that was wonderful. I believe it was like 2015. We met at the um, System Science Agent-based modeling, system dynamics yes, course. Yes, we did. We mm-hmm. did. We that did. Was wonderful. That was such a it wonderful. It was great. Time. And then we met again in San Diego. Yes, yes, we definitely did connect. I think you know, but that's what happens to to to, to kindred spirits, right? When people, mm-hmm. you know, are doing the right work, and you know, there's a bit of a mind meld, as mm-hmm. well as I consider soul melding as well, right? Because you know, we truly believe that. The type of work that we have to do is really for the people, right? Um, and, yes. and, and I think what, what the beautiful things that I love about your career and, you know, I'm trying to follow suit as well is you spoke about, you know, the fact that we met at a training at the University of Michigan around system science, right? And, mm-hmm. you know, system mm-hmm. science has been identified as a kind of a frontier pioneering methodology to gain insights in public health research and mm-hmm. how is it that we can, you know, find more efficient ways of understanding chronic disease and infectious disease while at the same time contributing to policy. Um, mm-hmm. And I think that's the beauty of the mind meld and the soul meld that you have to be prescient, you have to be pioneering. And when you do that, you meet up with fantastic people. So I, I agree with you. Uh, so please tell us a little bit about your work at the University of Miami and the Media Center that recently, it's pretty new, correct? It is pretty new. So we just, you know, so we, we were recruited by 
um, Dean Henry Ford, um, who is the dean of the School of Medicine at the University of Miami Miller School of Medicine. And I think he has been there for the last three, four years. And one of the things that his vision, um, and he is bringing on people like myself and others to change the culture, um, not just at the University of Miami, but all of South Florida and Florida at large, um, because um, the University of Miami and South Florida geopolitically and culturally sits at the intersection of the um, Southern Hemisphere, the Northern Hemisphere, East and Western Hemisphere. So essentially, it really is at the epicenter of really pioneering work on different cultures. So you have, particularly in Miami, a very strong um, Latin American Caribbean presence, as well as people from Europe and Asia, and even um, from people from the Northeast as well and from the West of the United States. And so the vision really is for the Media and Innovation Lab is to reimagine academic medicine and healthcare across five key verticals. They are education, research, clinical care, venture, as well as service and outreach. And I'll just kind of share in brief what the mission is for each of those verticals. So with the first vertical, the education vertical, what we're trying to do is to spur and to create a culture of innovation throughout the entire um, university. And you may ask, what does that mean? It means, therefore, we're putting together programs and curricula, um, curricula whereby we can um, train the next generation of innovators. Um, because oftentimes in academic medicine, you talk about, you know, training, um, you know, folks to be clinician scientists or um, administrator scientists or educator scientists, but no one talks about um, people being innovators. So we want to create a new archetype, a new phenotype of individual, one who is considered a clinician innovator, a researcher or a scientist innovator. And I think that is really the future of academic medicine. You're going to be having more people wanting to create solutions out of their medical school training or graduate school training and be entrepreneurial, things that can have significant impact um, on the community and the public. And that's kind of one of the modus operandi of the education vertical. Then we have the research um, vertical. And the research vertical really um, is rooted in a framework that I created called Precision and Personalized Population Health. And with that, what we're trying to do is we believe that in order for us to reach deep insight in understanding disease and health condition, we must look at it across a continuum from discovery all the way to treatments and solutions. In many ways, what we've done is that we have kind of reframed the translational framework, one that is rooted in the most advanced analytics. Um, so for example, when we're talking about discovery, which is our first main feature, what we're saying is that discovery is really on a continuum. Typically people think, think or see discovery, you know, as, you know, either you find out what the cause of a disease is or not. And what we're saying is that discovery really spans the gamut from um, describing what the phenomenon is, and in this case it would be the health condition, and you have to go through a series of deep 
analyses and inferences such as, you know, finding out correlation and association, then classification. Then mm -hmm. from there, you have to be able to develop forecasting types of um, interpretation, then causal inferences that focus more on explanation. And then from there, we have to optimize and personalize our treatments within context. And so what we're saying is that when we have large volumes of data, we must be able to understand these data and our results across that continuum. And that, I truly believe, will allow us to, you know, turn our findings into um, the most precise and personalized um, interventions um, and treatments. And those treatments and solutions really are from awareness all the way to adherence to treatments. And we try and use AI machine learning to um, ensure that the bottlenecks across the continuum of care that we mm -hmm. address those. And that's what, you know, that, that's how that, you know, dovetails nicely into our clinical care vertical. Our, and, and our clinical vertical essentially is providing the right treatment to the right person at the right time at the right dosage. And then our venture vertical is focused on research, development, and dissemination. We call two-way entrepreneurship and innovation, meaning innovation that's internal going to the external and innovation that's external coming inside. And essentially what we're saying is that we want to be the best center in, well, hopefully the world. What we're saying is that when we're talking about the service and outreach vertical, it's important that we educate the public about ways in which they can be better consumers and users of innovation and technology. For example, things like increasing digital health literacy. So we're building a program for seniors whereby we're teaching them how to set up their passwords and um, how to download apps. And all of these things are, you know, we might think Right, where people no longer want to do that. And what we've seen over COVID over the past few years is that people want to age in place. People would rather you know, be monitored at home and as well as more remote monitoring solutions. This episode is sponsored by JMIR Publications, JMIR, the leading publisher of digital health research and an innovator in open access with more than 20 years of experience. As a mission-driven organization, JMIR seeks to expand availability of vetted research to all, improving scientific discourse for researchers and health outcomes for patients through transparency and inclusion. In 2021, JMIR proudly published authors from over 120 countries. JMIR Public Health and Surveillance invites Public Health Podcast Network listeners to submit their best work. And for a limited time, enjoy $100 off their APC with code PHPN100. You can find JMIR Public Health and Surveillance online at publichealth.jmir.org. So the five verticals of Media and Innovation Lab are education, research, clinical care, venture, and service and outreach. And um, as I'd mentioned before, um, our education vertical really is focused on um, trying to increase a culture of innovation um, throughout our entire um, um, School of Medicine and throughout the entire University of Miami. 
and we want to create innovator scientists and innovator clinicians. And research really centers around precision and personalized population health. And our third vertical has to do with clinical care. And essentially dovetailing um, from our research um, vertical, the, the vision of our research vertical, as I've mentioned, is around precision and personalized population health, whereby we want to be able to understand the right treatment for the right person at the right time. And so our clinical care framework really follows suit. We want to ensure that um, in the delivery of healthcare and just general health and wellness, that we're not focused on a one-size-fits-all approach, but instead we are ensuring that we are customizing, tailoring um, our solutions based on an individual, based on groups of individuals, and in ways in which we can ensure that we can improve what we call the continuum of care, whereby we focus on awareness all the way to adherence. And within that, we call those the six A's, so to speak. And so this includes awareness of someone's risk, and we try and create um, new educational materials, as well as ways in which people can better screen for risk for poor health and chronic health conditions. But that will allow us as well to ensure that at the public health and population level, that people are able to avoid or prevent um, you know, these chronic health conditions or poor health conditions you know, based on their ability to be aware of their own risk. And from there, our hope is that we'll be able to increase access um, to, to, to treatments because we truly believe that we need to increase access to treatments we also need to be able to improve assessment of whether or not you know, folks are at risk or to assess whether or not if certain treatments are working. And then we want to improve acceptance of treatments, um, meaning the uptake. And so a lot of research have shown um, that it is very critical that um, in order for us to improve overall adherence meaning long-term adherence to treatment, but the first week, first two weeks of an intervention or treatment is critical, whereby if someone is adherent for the first two weeks, their likelihood of being adherent long-term is greatly increased. And so we wanna be able to create digital and innovative solutions that would optimize that. And the last A is around adherence which is more long-term use of treatments so that we can better manage chronic diseases as well. And so that's the, that's the entire you know, clinical care vertical. Mm-hmm. Then our fourth vertical centers around venture, whereby we believe in two-way innovation. Two-way innovation essentially means us in the mill creating an environment almost like a venture studio where we can facilitate and help um, students, faculty, staff to spin out their best ideas. By that, we mean we have a framework whereby we help people who have very great ideas, transform them into, um, from ideas um, to, 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 to products, and then from products to something commercial. 
um, whereby we focus on um, what the value proposition is for those. But we are also, the other end of two-way entrepreneurship is spinning things in. So we spin things out and we spin things in. What does that mean? Essentially, what we're saying is that we have set ourselves up as being the flagship research lab and center that, you know, you know companies, you know, um, startup companies, um, industry can come to us for us to be able to give them feedback about the feasibility, usability, and uptake of new solutions, as well as allowing us to validate, from, especially from a population health standpoint, whether or not if these solutions are for all. That's important for us. And we typically will do first in human types of research projects, especially those that focus on digital health technology, as well as innovation. And our last vertical um, focuses on service and outreach. And the reason why we've set the mill up like this, if you look at the different verticals, education starts as the first bookend, and the last and second bookend is service and outreach. And so we truly believe that in order for us to make significant and transformative changes in healthcare through the use of technology, through the use of innovation, is that we can't just focus on disrupting the healthcare ecosystem. By that, I mean focusing just primarily on providers and payers but we must also focus on finding ways in which we can prepare and educate the people who we serve, our patients, our community, the public, as to ways in which they can be better users and consumers of these new technologies. And so we have created several programs. The one flagship program that we're extremely proud of, we've gotten a lot of traction, is our stem cell program. This program stands for science, technology, engineering, math, social, and emotional learning. And we've created a digital mental health um, webinar series where we've gotten the likes of Neil and Mashi Kids and Calm and Headspace and Little Otter, where we've invited them to hang out with us for an hour. And we record these and we invite, this is open to the public. So if your viewers are listening, please, you know, reach out to us and you'll see this on, on our LinkedIn, as well as you will see this on our YouTube channel. Um, and you can see this on Eventbrite as well, whereby we want to ensure that we bring the best, newest, innovative solutions to the fingertips of the people. Because what we do know this April that for far too long, some of the greatest advancements in healthcare technology have been primarily reserved for the haves and the have more. And while we recognize that we want it to be health for all, because we're not saying that we want the technologies just for people who are less fortunate, while we, there's a special emphasis, but we truly believe that if our mantra is health for all, we must ensure that all individuals, all people can benefit from the best that modern medicine and technology have to offer. And so we explicitly say that we know what the significant barriers are, such as technophobia, 
the lack of access to broadband internet. And so we have built solutions throughout our programs, such as the, the Millbox, which is our remote health monitoring solution, where we have several digital devices that we send out to people's homes, um, where they monitor them and they can check their blood pressure and their weight and their sleep-wake activity and their environment. We've built that. And we send it out to people's homes and we focus on people from all walks of life. And we want to ensure that part of what we do is that we know that we don't want them to use their internet. We provide a MiFi. We provide a smartphone. So if someone doesn't have it, we provide that. No, it's not a, in a long-term plan. But what this is, is a proof of concept to show that if there is enough political will, right, that if we want to really transform healthcare, where healthcare is not just practiced within a brick and mortar healthcare building, Mm-hmm. then we must ensure that we need to ensure that more of health is done on the outside, meaning where people live, where people work, where people worship, where people play. That's where health happens. Mm-hmm. And so we need to be able to ensure that the solutions from an assessment standpoint allow us to capture people in their lived environment. Mm-hmm. We also need to ensure that the treatments are well positioned and easily integrated into people's lived experience and their everyday lives. And so that's kind of the vision of the mill. I love all of the various aspects of the mill, the different verticals and the different components within. This is very fascinating. And we're, we're continuously bootstrapping and thinking about ways in which we can evolve to meet the needs of people. Appreciate the agility, the innovation that you are welcoming into this program, into this process. And this is what we need for real solutions at this time. Talking about population health, and I love the fact that you are integrating both the clinical the technological and also the, the public health side of things. You know, sometimes we talk about population health and we have different conceptions of that depending on who you're speaking to, right? So in the medical field, population could just be like patients that they serve. And then in public health, it's actual communities of people, geographic regions. So, you know, but, you know, hearing this, the mill is able to integrate both of those terms. And then I love the fact that the focus is on this health where people live in the midst of their social determinants of health. So yeah, I, I, you know, I can definitely see some wonderful connections with what we're doing here as well in the Public Health Podcast Network and how we can hopefully continue to partner and collaborate in the future. And so this is really exciting. So thank uh, you. We, well, my, my pleasure, my, my pleasure. And, you know, I, 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 you know, I think very highly of you and we've known each other for some time and I've always been awestruck and inspired by the work that, that you have done. I think you have stood in the gap of healthcare. I think so many people aren't truth tellers and storytellers and you are that. Apart from you being a fantastic scientist, but I think... You know, some people need to stand in the gap to tell stories and to amplify stories and to shed light on things. So I just want to, you know, um, 
thank you for just being courageous and being very innovative and pioneering doing this and setting up this podcast. And it's been such a, my pleasure to be part of this. Thank you. Yeah, sometimes when we fall through the gaps, we are able to emerge and build these unique bridges and create new solutions, right? Oh, well said. Well said. You almost, you, you're having me snap my finger on that one. That was good. <laughs> that was great. I love that. I love that. Put that on a t-shirt. Okay, yeah, I will. <laughs> and so, you know, I want to talk a little bit more about the role of the media uh, as you talk about technology, innovation, and health. And let's talk about the importance of the media aspect of these things. Yeah, no, so thank you so much. You know, we oftentimes get asked, why are you, why is there media in, 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 in our name? And, 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 and here's my, my response. So when we were conceiving the idea of the mill, we realized that healthcare um, should not be practiced in just one um, 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 medium. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And so in many ways, the verticals really serve as this, the different types of media that will necessitate and facilitate um, you know, transformative changes in healthcare. So that's key. Mm -hmm. But with regards to, you know, um, media, um, we believe that healthcare needs to be practiced in many different avenues and your different paths. Uh, and so, yes, there is an explicit media component, one being we focus on immersive technology. Um, that's a huge, you know, unique, innovative, medium by which we can deliver better um, and more innovative and nuanced behavioral mental health um, interventions. Um, in terms of digital technologies and wearables, that's another medium in which we can track and provide unique insights. Mm -hmm. um, when we're talking about finding innovative biospecimen data collection, that's a very innovative medium that solves um, the, the, the bottlenecks that you see um, in traditional um, um, you know, um, blood works and, and biospecimen data collection and processing, both from the side of the technician and from the side of the patient. Mm -hmm. And so you know, we're doing dry blood spot sampling, we're doing dry urine spot sampling, we're doing volumetric absorptive microsampling techniques because we believe that to tell someone like a single mom or a single dad or a grandma or a grandpa or uncle joe or aunt jane to take two three hours out of their busy schedule to go to a clinic just to draw two vials of blood mm -hmm. is really a pain and this is why i think so many people are turned off and disincentivized to even participate in, in healthcare. Mm -hmm. It's not fun. Mm -hmm. it's, it's not engaging. It's cumbersome. It's burdensome. It's complex. Mm -hmm. It's stressful. Mm -hmm. And so if we can find different media that would improve all of those pain points and all those barriers that I just mentioned, then we think that that's what we mean that we're trying to be innovative and we're just using different media to do that. Mm -hmm. um, in terms of how we go about 
you know, improving health literacy and information? What are the different media by which we're gonna communicate and engage the community? We led a project during COVID and essentially what we said was, if you wanna increase you know, um, willingness in participating in clinical trials, you know, we have to find innovative ways of doing that, using the power of AI to do this. And so no one, I said, I said this to my staff almost kind of flippantly, but show me the person who wakes up and says, oh, I'm going to join a clinical trial today. No <laughs> one wakes up thinking that, right? I mean, I guess you have professionals, folks who want to, but those are the people who are not very representative. And myself right. as a scientist, we don't, we want those folks, but those folks should not really constitute our entire sample because it's got skewed sample yes. if we had all of those folks. Mm -hmm. Instead, we want, um, you know, ordinary folks, you know, who need the help, who want the insights. And in order for us to help them, we need to find unique ways of doing it. So what we built was an AI bot in conjunction with a company called Feedly that allows us to curate the different media by which we provide information. So does someone, is someone more responsive to um, an article, a research article or a magazine? Mm -hmm. Are they more open to, you know, watching a webinar or a talk or a tweet? And so we're able, we were able to test that. Um, to, to see, to see, you know, um, to create what we call personalized news feeds for people, mm -hmm. um, you know, on, you know, specific chronic health conditions that people care about, <laughs> right? right. And, and, and so this is where it's important for us to really think as researchers, we call it jumping the curb, right? Mm -hmm. Seeing around the corner. That's what we mean by being prescient. But sometimes being prescient doesn't mean developing a new tool, but being prescient has to do with, can we find alternative media by which we can communicate with people? Mm -hmm. And communication is one of the most, you know, um, primordial human behaviors that we have. But there are ways in which we can do it more effectively, more efficiently, um, you know, more innovatively. And so those are the ways in which we are using different media to be innovative. And it just so happens that we're doing it in the healthcare space. And that's why we haven't included health in our name because we truly believe that healthcare is just one important um, sector and component of a person's life. Mm -hmm. But we are interested in economic health. We are interested in a variety of different things. We're interested in energy and mining and clean tech and fintech. Why? Because if you peel the layers, they all cross-pollinate. Your economic health impacts your physical and mental health, mm -hmm. right? Your environmental health impacts your, your, your physical and mental health. So, health and wellness. Exactly, 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 right? So, so, so we're trying to not, you know, pigeonhole ourselves. We don't want to box ourselves in and say we're only focused on health. Mm -hmm. 
No, because we truly believe that in order for us to really get at the roots of some very vexing healthcare issues that seem intractable, mm-hmm. we must, must, must be creative. And we need to start look at novel, you know, you know, predictors of this. We can't just rely on the usual suspects. So while clinical predictors and clinical risk factors are important to be studied and to be treated, that what we have learned over the last few years with the obsession, I think, and I think, and I don't mean obsession in a negative way, but a lot of us have been doing social determinants of health research for quite some time. Mm-hmm. But what we've learned with the burgeoning and the interest in social determinants of health is because we realize that clinical risk factors are not the only factors that explain disease right. and poor health, that there are causes of causes that if you want to get to the bottom of this, you got to have to tackle the cause of causes. And that's essentially what social determinants of health mean. For us, what we're trying to do is since we have had a little bit of a jump start in our research, tackling health disparities, tackling social determinants of health, trying to find ways in which we can improve health equity, that we have to find ways in which that social determinants of health doesn't just become a commodity of the industrial research enterprise, mm-hmm. but instead it really is capturing the lived experience of barriers that really impact our patients and really impact our people, right? Yes. You know, because once we start to commodify something, we start to reify it. We start to lose kind of this existential meaning of how it really functions in someone's life, right? So everyone throws out social determinants of health as as if you should know it. Right. catchphrase at this point exactly it's a catchphrase and it's a buzzword and don't get me wrong it's important do not get me wrong my concern is that and and we've seen this and this is just me being a philosopher here so i do have a background in philosophy that because you know based on empiricism that once we start to be so wedded to finding an empirical meaning of social determinants of health then oftentimes we can lose the deep existential and phenomenological meaning of that particular um, um, issue, mm-hmm. you know? And, and I can be very honest here, income. We talk about income as a social determinant of health. What does that mean? Mm-hmm. Well, what happens is if you have to develop a construct around income, then we are already kind of boxed into things oh, you know, we need to look at income and is it below the poverty line or above the poverty line? Is it middle income or is it 1%? Mm -hmm. And it's very likely that a person who has, who, depending on where that person is along that stratum of socioeconomic status, right? That they can still, their socioeconomic or income status can still have a significant and deleterious impact on their health, mm-hmm. right? And, and so I think we, we, we need to be a little bit more nuanced where we're not just kind of 
you know, um, you know, binning and categorizing these constructs in ways um, just for the expediency of empiricism and lose the essence of how income and poverty plays a critical role in someone's health and well-being. Right. And this is such a deep conversation. Azizi. Sorry about that. Thank <laughs> you going with this. I mean, like this is a great conversation. We can go for hours to talk about this. You know, um, this is why I have problems with statistical models in many cases. And there's yeah. just so much there. Right. Uh, and so, you know, I would love to continue the conversation, um, you know, in a future uh, episode. Uh, but for the sake of time. Uh, yeah. Thank you so much for you know, my pleasure about the program and there's so much there it's fascinating it really is the different activities and programs and uh, fo focuses foci that you are working on in this uh, program in the in, in the mill is amazing and I'm just really um, I'm pleased that you are part of it and I'm just really grateful to have this opportunity to learn about this today with you thank you thank you thank you so much Dr. Moreno yeah your folks can reach out to us at the mill at miami.edu um would love to love to love to communicate with them or they can reach out to me at dr satius um at, at satius dr on instagram or in linkedin dr aziza satius thank you thank you for joining us today we hope you enjoyed the episode and again, to learn more about us, visit publichealthpodcasters.com. Get your podcast listed on our public health directory. You can also become a member and develop your public health career journey with us, networking with other peers in the public health space. Visit us at publichealthpodcasters.com.